Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We are going to be talking about the um, study that was done at McMaster University, which shows and suggests very strongly it's a two-year review by researchers at McMaster of COVID-19 in schools and daycares. It's shown that schools and daycares were not a source of significant virus transmission when infection prevention and control measures were engaged. Oh my, uh, what's, what's the prescription for phone failure, Dr. Rao? What's the prescription? What would you, because uh, it's turning into an infectious disease here. <laughs> well, I succeeded. What's that? At least I succeeded. You did succeed. Thank you very much for uh, for playing ball with us and changing the time of our uh, of our interview. So I was just saying that a two year review by researchers at McMaster University of COVID nineteen in schools and daycares has shown schools and daycares were not a source of significant virus transmission when infection prevention and control measures were engaged. And this was a study that was published on Thursday in the Lancet Child and Adolescent Health and included more than thirty four thousand references in childcare settings in schools worldwide. You were with us, infectious diseases specialist at Halton Healthcare in Ontario, assistant professor of medicine at the University of Toronto. You repeatedly told us during the pandemic, and you wrote op-eds on it, that just closing the schools, not the answer. They should have listened. I know there's an, I told you so side to this, but I want to reflect a bit on what made people do this? And the other thing I wanted to reflect on is, are we going to do the same thing again with the next one, say an influenza pandemic? So looking back at the rationale, it was about trying to stop the virus transmission. And the argument went that, wow, if kids are the vector of this virus, even if they're not sickened by it, but if they are spreading this virus, if we close schools, we are going to somehow stop the circulation of the virus. And by stopping the circulation of the virus, we'll have fewer cases in adults and elder adults, which in turn will protect the healthcare system from strain. That's very, very indirect as a way to solve a problem. And it's what Jay Bhattacharya has called trickle-down epidemiology, jokingly. But there's an element of truth to it. We were very indirectly putting kids on the altar of sacrifice to try and stop the circulation of the virus amongst a more vulnerable other population to provide this indirect benefit. The problem with the strategy is that the collateral damage to these kids is phenomenal and it's long-lasting. And you have kids in their formative years who are teenagers who are trying to finish high school and who are already potentially vulnerable to being disengaged, you know, with the attention deficit disorder, trouble focusing. And then you create a situation where they can't attend school in person and they fall off Zoom as their parents are engaged also working on Zoom and they can't really hold their hand and get them back onto their computer. And then the consequences are quite huge after the dust settles from the pandemic. Some kids last and others lose interest and have their math scores fall backwards or their achievements fall backwards and they never recover. You don't get a retake with parenting. They don't get to retake grade 10, 11, 12, say, just as an example. I'm not even discussing other sociological consequences, having 
uh, poor people unable to go to work because their kids can't go to school. School doubles as daycare for some people to some degree. So all of those things go to, do not get taken back. And those are the things that really worried me through COVID, that we were doing something for a group of people, being namely kids, provide an indirect benefit to another group and also to maintain healthcare capacity, which could have been solved by just improving healthcare capacity. I, I think after the vaccine was available, it's even more amazing that we had school closures because we had a population that was protected by the vaccination from severe disease, even if it didn't stop transmission of the virus. So why did we keep doing it? That's a big question. And then why the disparity between Ontario, where I live, where we had 360 days of school closures, which is more than any place in Canada and one of the longest in the world. And what made that happen? And I think the media is in part to blame. I use the word media in a very broad way, but some mainstream media outlets covered only one side of the story and didn't allow politicians the wiggle room, the pivot space to change policy. That's my diatribe. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good. I mean, I spoke with Dr. Bhattacharya on uh, several occasions, and with you, and with Dr. Fulford, and I read the op-eds, and we talked about it on the air. And when I first saw the story about this McMaster study, and it was conducted over a two-year period, I thought, well, that started uh, over two years ago. And uh, so somebody had those thoughts more than two years ago. We'd better have a look and see whether we did the right thing or not. So there was an element of doubt that really wasn't publicly expressed in the greater arena, don't you think? Well, it was seen as heresy to say what I said. Um, I faced a calumny for that, there's no question. The interesting thing about this study, it's actually a review of the available literature as it has become available. So the authors of that recent paper or review would say that, look, they were analyzing the data, they couldn't make decisions in real time, and you'll always hear this pandemic fog of war defense. You know, we didn't know what we were doing, we were, you know, shooting in the dark, et cetera. It's forgivable to a minimal degree before we had a vaccine. It is absolutely reprehensible that this continued after we had a vaccine, and as we knew more about the virus and about its impact on kids. What is concerning to me in that review is that the authors do say that, listen, vaccination helped suppress transmission and better ventilation helped prevent transmission, potentially. That may be true, but what if we had a virus that did spread amongst kids for which we didn't have a vaccine? Say it was influenza, a new version of influenza, and say that we couldn't put the best propeller fans in every single public school you know, classroom. Does that mean we then just close the schools again? And my answer is, I don't think we should. I think this should be like an essential service. I mean, if you keep liquor stores open and you keep all the Amazon warehouses open and Uber Eats keeps coming and grocery stores are open, you're not completely shutting those things down. So why are we shutting down schools? And look at the nefarious consequences for kids after the fact that you don't get to take back. Something's that the hamster wheel has to continue yeah. in the next pandemic. You know, I've, I've opened the phone lines in the past and we've talked to parents about what they see different in their children after not attending school, after not socializing with their friends, after being isolated for almost a year uh, at a time. And the change, and you know this better than I, I 
just talk to people on the on the air, and I I've talked to people personally as well, of course. But and and the parents almost start. One parent actually started to cry about the changes in her children's lives, and she said, "How am I going to fix this?" And how how do I mean you're you're an infectious disease specialist, not a psychologist or psychiatrist, but how do you fix this for the generation that's undergone this? Yeah, so I, so I speak as a parent. I, that, that's the problem. I don't think it's easy. I got lucky as a parent, as a single dad. I was able to have a, a son who focused, but that's not what happened to everybody. You know, I um, it, the, the problem is you don't get a second chance at this and you do your best. Um, I think people who are well-resourced, kids in private school or a stay-at-home parent highly educated could kind of take over they did better i mean we didn't even talk about sports training and sports achievements and loss of sports development yeah. musical development theatrical development yeah. you know there's a whole generation of artists or art or art would be artists who are, who are stunted as well i mean it, you know imagine if you're a high level you know athlete and you can't do your training i mean they tried to make exceptions but there was still a bit of this uh, let's just stop everything to stop the virus. And there was no proportionality. And uh, unfortunately, no one looked at other jurisdictions. I kept talking about, of course, evil Sweden. And they're not so evil anymore. Uh, but I kept talking about Sweden. We even talked about some of the states in the U.S. that were led by Republican governors. Republican jurisdictions did not close schools to the same degree as Democrat jurisdictions. It's well yeah. known and it's well accepted. Dr. Rao, we have to stop here. But this this... Conversation cannot end now. Mm -hmm. This this conversation, this issue, doesn't get put to bed with this report from McMaster University. It has to continue. There has to be something. There has to be a policy that is cast in stone. That this is what we're going to do next time. Because as an infectious disease specialist, you're going to tell me, and I'm going to believe you, there will be a next time. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 